Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with George Salamis, who is the CEO of Integra Resources. Now, George has got the band back together from Integra Gold. They took a $15 million exploration business and sold it for 625. Now, they've had some luck last year with their uh, drilling results, the metallurgy and PEA driving in the second half of last year, their share price. I think they're also getting a lot of credit in the market for the Integra Gold project um, from the institutional side of things. We talked to George today about his business plan and his plans for 2020 and how he's going to spend and deploy his capital. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, George. How are you, sir? Good morning, Matt. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us all the way from Vancouver. We're going to hear your story today, Integra Resources, but can you kick us off with a one-minute overview for people new to the story, and we'll pick it up from there. To know Integra Resources, you really have to kind of look back pre-Integra Resources, which was Integra Gold, and I promised to stop using the Integra Gold word uh, by April, which is the three-year mark of the sale of Integra Gold. So it was a it was a uh, uh, spectacular win for uh, for shareholders. Obviously, a fifteen million dollar market cap, wing and a prayer expiration in northern Quebec, which we turned into a six hundred and twenty five million dollar takeover uh, by Eldorado Gold. So um, it's that same team that decided to stick together and and sort of follow the same recipe of what, what our original success was derived from, and uh, that is brownfields exploration, looking at assets that were perhaps unloved by uh, by major mining companies, in this case, uh, Integra Resources, the Delamar project in southern Idaho had been dormant for the better part of 20 years, uh, owned by Kinross. And uh, we had we had a feeling that there was a lot that was left behind and that there was a different angle of approach. So we acquired the project uh, about two and a half years ago from Kinross. And, um, uh, at the time, no declared resource and uh, roll the clock forward to today, uh, four and a half million ounces of, of total resources, uh, a maiden PEA study, which wraps some some pretty compelling economics around the project. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we are of the belief that this is undoubtedly going to become a mine and it's going to get a lot bigger. Um, we're fully financed got a great roster of shareholders, but most importantly, uh, this great team that brought you Integra Gold is 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 back. Right. For second try. Okay, we'll let you off with the Integra Gold reference for another three uh-huh. months. But that was a huge success. I mean, fifteen million bucks to six hundred twenty-five million bucks, and that's Stephen and uh, Andre, etc., etc. Um, and they're still with you actively on, on this project. I get that. Why would Kinross give up such a good asset? It's a question we get we get often, and and um, look, I, I worked for major mining companies for half of my career, and and uh, you know, mining companies do this as a matter of routine. You know, an asset becomes tired, uh, it sits as a liability on the on their books, whether it's a reclamation liability or just a straight holding cost liability, and so you know this fatigue that sets in, and then sort of corporately the decision is made. You know, we we want out of this project. We just want it off the books. Uh, you know, we, and it's not just Kinross, other major mining companies did it. Placer Dome, for example, the company that I worked for has, uh, you know, gave away many assets that are now, you know, very profitable mining operations. Um, in, in this case, Kinross had this asset on their balance sheet for about the better part of 20 years. 
and it was shut down due to low gold and silver price prices of the late 1990s, early 2000s. And so it was one of these assets, and I think that's key when you're looking for an asset to acquire. Look for an asset that was shut down during a low commodity price environment, which means that there's 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 still there's still juice left to be squeezed out of it, but it was just sort of dropped for for reasons of, of lack of margin in the case of Kinross when they're okay. operating. Okay. And, so and so, so that, that that's quite interesting. That's um it's a phrase we we we've very little heard. Um, before we get stuck into what you think you've got, can we just talk about the plan when you set out? I know you wanted to replicate Integra Gold, I, I, I get it, but um, was, was, there, was there more to it? Because after, after the, the success of Integra Gold, you, I, I guess you're thinking, well, if it worked there, we can make it work again. But if you can explain a little bit about what you saw in this project specifically which said, I think this could be the same thing all over again. Yeah, well, so so I think, again, going back to the the, the sale of Integra Gold and, and the group getting together essentially and saying, we're, we're going to stick together, so what do we want in our next asset? And we looked to all of the, the attributes that we had in the asset that we had in Quebec that we had just sold, which was, you know, tier one jurisdiction, access infrastructure, great, uh, large database to work with, and that, that I think is, is key. Right, um, uh, you know, we're not starting from from scratch by any means, um, and uh, you know, friendly jurisdiction. You know, government support in the case of Quebec, obviously a great mining jurisdiction. In the case of Idaho, same thing. Right, we've got a very support mining friendly and supportive uh, state government, and um, a large resource. And so, you know, it, it ticked all of those boxes for us. We weren't about to go to tier two, tier three jurisdictions. Been there, done that personally in my career. Um, getting a bit old to, uh, to to be going down that road. And uh, so the, the choice was pretty easy. Okay, and I know, and again, it was a big number, 625 million bucks, but looking back, is there anything you learned from the Integra Gold process? Could you have got more out of it? Could you have pushed it out longer before you did the trade or did you, get out at just the right time? And what can you bring into the new project that you've learned from that? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't know that many people really realize that towards the end of the Integra Gold run, we were we were really close to to actually pulling this or flicking the switch on going into production. We had, uh, I think it was four term sheets um, that would have seen us fully financed into production. And we were six or eight weeks away from signing those term sheets. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we were underground, we, we, we had, the ramp was going in, we were buying all the expensive gear that you need to, to get into production. And, uh, and then El Dorado came, came on with the bid. And then, and then it became um, basically uh, a benefit analysis. We, you know, what does this asset look like fully developed by Integra and all suffering the, the slings and arrows of, of getting into production and looking at the, the landscape of juniors who, who try and build something, and, you know, the, the burning wrecked hulks of juniors out there who try and actually build something and, and fail and the, and the risks involved in that versus a premium offer, which would put it in the hands of an experienced mind builder. And, and really the, the decision was easy at the end of the day. And you guys must've done quite well out of it yourselves. Very appealing. We did, yeah. We we plowed a fair bit of our of our own capital back into Integra Resources. You have. That's 
Okay, okay. So if I look at the share price, you know, May last year, not so hot. It started picking up, um, but didn't really start moving until this kind of gold price surge in sort of late August, September of last year. And you, you benefit from that, even though you're not a producer, which is a kind of unusual. The most juniors, certainly not in production, didn't really see that bump. What else was going on around then, which kind of got the market excited about what you were doing? Yeah, you know, we had two two pivotal events occur last year, sort of around the mid the mid year mark. And uh, you know, as a geologist, I would put equal importance PA versus uh, the the revised resource estimate. I I would personally put a lot more emphasis on that revised resource estimate, and that was that was key um, because not only was it a you know a large jump in resources, but it was a, it was large conversion of of resource category. Yeah. So no longer were we, were we dealing with 100% re, uh, inferred resource. We're now dealing with a 90% M&I resource, and that that came by a lot of work that our that our exploration team did on site. And so for the first time, this is where the investing public saw uh, a discrete breakdown of the oxidation states of the mineralization. I'm not allowed to call it ore, by the way, apparently, but mineralization uh, out on site per oxidation state. So what's what's oxide, what's transitional material, and what's sulfide, and that that's important for us because we find ourselves looking at this project as a heat leach opportunity as opposed to a straight milling opportunity, which is what Kinross were basically, um, what's how they mined and, and operated for 20 years. They didn't care whether this was oxide transitional or sulfide mineralization. They were they were stuffing all of it through their mill and happy to get the recoveries that they were getting. Okay. Can I can I ask? I, I would agree with you. I think most most companies which put out PEAs last year didn't didn't make a damn bit of difference to them in terms of the share price or people's perception of what the value could be. Um, was that a conscious decision to move the M and I up so much? I mean, ninety percent. That's a significant shift. That's a big number, right? Was that a conscious decision, knowing the outcome, or was that just you got lucky? <laughs> You have to get lucky sometimes, right? <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was a conscious decision. We look there. We there's two hundred. Was it two hundred and fifty thousand meters of drilling that we inherited uh, in terms of a database from from Kinross? Yeah. Uh, that drill, you know, the average spacing is twenty meters. Right. And so we knew if we were to to categorize the mineralization styles and specifically the oxidation states. Uh, we we knew we could get to uh, a large conversion. Did we think it would get to ninety percent? No. Um, so so there was an element of luck there, but we knew that there would be a large conversion done that would occur by by breaking down oxidation state. Well, like you know, like I said, you've had huge success in the past. I'm trying to gauge j just how smart the team is here because you know if you have consciously made a decision to spend that money to try and move that measured and indicated. And knowing that you would get that kind of result, that's really smart. Smarter than any story we've, we've heard for a long time. But given a lot of companies last year did, well, spent money and did things which had no material impact on their share price, you know, you got, you, you got to ask the question, you know, you know, how good or how strong or how logical, you know, were most of the management teams spending money last year? But you, you've done something quite smart there. I get it. It's deliberate. A little bit of luck, but deliberate. 
But <laughs> what? So what's the next big move for you, or are, we, are you going to plateau for a while? But yeah, so we're, we're trying to stay out of the uh, the Lasan curve, if you will, which is you know flatlining for the next four years. And, and uh, I, in in the course of, of marketing uh, Integra, and we all do it, my you know myself, the IR team, we're constantly polling our shareholders. What do you want to see? You know, what's important to you? And I would say it's split 50-50 between the crowd who just want to see us just explore. They don't care about studies. You know, feasibility, that's boring. It's like watching paint dry on the wall. And we've got another 50% of our shareholder base who actually see us, want to see us take this project as far as we can and de-risk the project with feasibility studies, with, um, per, you know, st starting the permitting process, which we'll, we'll get to, I guess, later. Uh, so we're basically trying to to satisfy both parties, which is keep the form of gas of expiration yeah. while we de-risk project with feasibility level studies. At the same. Well, that brings us that brings us to your shareholder register. Okay, you you're sitting with a lot of institutional money in there, so slightly more sophisticated audience interpreting what you're going to do, what you have done, and what the numbers say. Okay, so. I, you know, I imagine they would they appreciated you know what you did with regards to moving that measured and indicated number of three, and you've got a much smaller retail component here. So, of the 50-50 balance, there the institutional guys want to see slightly more conventional reporting, feasibility studies, etc., because it allows them to measure what you're doing. Or is it different from that? Well, so um, I would say amongst, and this is just a rough polling, but but amongst our institutional shareholders. Um, for fifty percent of them, um, you know, keeping our foot on the gas of, of expiration to increase the resource size is very important for them. And of the remaining parties, they just want to see us advance this project to a stage where, you know, we can make a de development decision ourselves, or you know, perhaps in the hands of somebody else, a de development decision can be made. So what do you, what so do you want to do? There's, there's, there's different business models out there. You know, those are two almost opposing models. I don't think you can necessarily satisfy both sides. There's, they're both equally good things to do, but you, you're the CEO, you've got to pick one. What are you thinking? Well, I, I know from personal experience that once a project heads down the path of, okay, the feasibility study is here, we're now declaring that this this part of the project is now subject to permitting i know that's when usually the the, the tap of expiration dollars typically runs dry because you're now all of a sudden allocating all your financial resources towards you know feasibility and beyond if you will and yeah. that's the boring stage for a geologist yeah. you know I, I know that for a fact we have two years to really uh keep our foot on the gas on on the expiration side so Personally, I want to see that expiration accelerator sort of just keep amping up because, you know, we are on to certain aspects of this project where we know we can grow the resource base perhaps to six million ounces or, or better. Uh, well, I don't think that that's going to be a big stretch in the next two years. But um, okay. personally, that's what I want to see in the in the near term. Beautiful. So six million ounces is a number you, you put, you're putting out there. There or thereabouts, right? What, why, why that number? What does that give you? What does that tell people? Well, so it, it bolts us into a different category. So, and, and again, just going back to the PA for a moment. So, the, the, the PA study, our first, the P, first PA that we did on the project was was really a snapshot of a project that 
we would build if we were to build a project today down at Del Mar. And so it was important for us to, to show a project that had a capex that was of a size that we could afford to raise. So it was important for us to show a, you know, a capex on a heat bleach project with a small mill that would cost us circa you know, 200 million Canadian dollars to build. Company of our size, 150 million market cap, probably within range if we had all the permits to build it today, we could do that. Mm. Um, however, the next, the next iteration of a PA, which is to come out this, this year, is going to look at a much larger uh, capex. A uh, much larger production scenario, right. attracting a different crowd of investor, potentially attracting a different crowd of corporate buyer. Maybe, maybe not the project that we would build because it's obviously going to be a larger capex um, to to get there. But uh, it, it's that optionality uh, of the project that we we love, and, and you know we're going to try and maintain that optionality for as long as this as possible. Okay, so you're, you're, you've got a huge institutional following. You've got a big success behind you. You've made a lot of people some money. So conversations around capital must be a little bit easier for you because, you know, 140 million market cap-ish today is, is, is not bad. It's not bad at, at all. Um, what are people telling you that they want you to do with regards to the type of financing and the type of raises that you may need to do over the next couple of years yeah it's it, it's funny the uh you know the mantra has been for the last you know two three years um uh you know we don't like royalties we don't like streaming deals don't take any debt on uh equity only but please don't dilute us and and thanks very much and you know, please invite us to the mine opening in four years from now um, you know that that sort of oh, thing. sure. So, so okay, was very much just sort of straight equity, right. and uh, you know, thankfully we've managed to raise money at successively higher levels over over the last two and a half years. Uh, we've resisted the uh, the temptation to issue warrants. Um, you know, that was one of the uh, how should I say uh, uh, roadblocks uh, at certain times in Integra Gold. We had to issue warrants in order to get financings done, and you know, a big warrant overhang is something we have to deal with in the past. We don't have to deal with with that here now. So, um, equity is it, I guess, is the uh, right. Brand. And you're sitting on enough cash to kind of get you through what you need to be doing for the next what? How, how long? Um, it's this cash that we have now, just over thirty million dollars, is going to take us well into the end of the year, perhaps into January, February next year. Okay, so so maybe now's the time to kind of come on to the projects. So, what? Tell us a little brief summary of the projects, but what are you doing on each of those to kind of, you know, bring them up to the level that you want to be up uh, at? Yeah. So again, sort of following this theme of of you know, even split between expiration and feasibility level studies. So on the expiration front for this year, uh, we've got close to seventeen thousand meters of drilling to be done, and that's just pure expiration. Understand that in the last two and a half years. A lot of our exploration dollars have gone into twinning uh, zones, you know, slight moderate step outs just to confirm a resource model. Now we don't have to do that anymore. We're doing pure exploration, you know, step outs, you know, at a distance away from the resource envelope, uh, going into new areas that have never been drilled but have all the same hallmarks and signatures that Delamar and Florida Mountain have. So we'll be doing, call it 17,000 meters of that exploration. 
um, with a with a pivot to higher grade because we think we're getting on to you know signatures that are revealing themselves to be you know this is where the high grade is this is where you look, need to look for high grade and I think our our, our news releases have shown that in the last few months. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that exploration, that drilling, we're doing you know the the, the target generation studies, lots more soil geochem, uh, lots more geophysics, uh, lots more mapping, field mapping, so just to keep the sort of the, the pipeline full of targets to keep drilling. Right. And then on the, um, on the let's call it feasibility level study angle, we've got about 7,000 meters of net drilling to do, and that's essentially collecting enough material uh, within the oxide and transitional material to, to study uh, gold and silver recovery variability within these two deposits. And that's key, right? We've got a good sense of what the recoveries could be, but for the for the level of feasibility met that we have to do, we have to start checking out what the variability is within oxide and transitional material. Right, okay. So you've got just over 30 million bucks. That'll take you through to January, so 12 months-ish. Um, so you're you're going to be smashing through that cash quite quickly, drilling a lot of holes and moving these projects on. That that's quite a big deployment of capital. At the end of which, what do you do? Well, then, so we then have to we would then have to finish off the balance of the feasibility study. And you know, again, I, I get back to that two year rule where we've got two years to to explore the heck out of this project, and then you know, then we get into feasibility mode. So my expectation would be another sort of 15 to 20,000 meters of exploration thereafter. And then we're also into sort of nipping and finishing up the last bits of the of these studies. Right. But in terms of going out and getting equity, you're going to have to get some money in, in 12 months Absolutely. time. And that's, that's the fuel to the machine. Right. So, but a similar sort of number, would you then look to deploy circa another 30 million in 2021? Is that the idea? I would love to to be able to do that. Correct. Yeah. You know, okay. in, in my sense is that we'll be raising money at much higher levels because we've got a couple of pivotal events to, to come out this year. Okay. Not only all exploration, but this PA update, which is going to show what we think is going to be a big incremental jump in our production profile, yeah. our estimated production profile. Okay. Um, need to ask. You guys made, you said earlier, a bunch of money for yourselves uh, with Integra Gold, which is you know, well done. It's the name of the game. Um, how did you structure your own remuneration on this? Given you now don't need the cash, have you were you much more incentivized towards the success of this company, or are you pulling out large sums of cash for yourselves? I mean, where where's the headset when you the, the mindset when you set this thing up? Yeah. Um well, so in Integra Gold, obviously, none of us had a lot of skin in the game because we didn't have a lot of our own capital to deploy. Yeah. Um, this time around, we've deployed our own capital and management. You know, we own ten percent of the company now. Yeah, saw that. And we financings, and we buy. You know, we we buy on market. Uh, you know, our shareholders keep yelling at us and saying, you know, why doesn't management buy more stock? So we buy more stock, and then we don't hear from anybody. No pats on the back, thank you. Um, but it's what we do because there's good value in our stock. Uh, in terms of the the remuneration of the group, it's largely the same as Integra Gold. We didn't, you know, because of our success, we didn't all of a sudden 
grant ourselves doubles and triples on on uh, on cash and bonuses, and so it's it it's the same. Okay, so you're so would you say you're more incentivized now because you're ten percent of the company? If this thing goes where you want it to be, you know that that's clearly you're going to make a lot more money that way. So you're not. Being frivolous with your with the cash on yourselves. Um, okay, fine. Um, can you can you tell us about what you think that you talked about major catalyst moments for this year are? I get the drilling, the exploration. I get maybe you're aiming for the six million, but I don't know where you're going to get to by the January next year. But why do you think the market's going to react so positively towards that, and you're going to be able to raise money at a higher price come, I guess, pre Christmas? Uh, you're going to need to start having conversations, aren't you? So if I look back over the last two years to, to sort of judge what, where shareholder value really took, took off um, and what news that was related to, um, really three things. Um, top of the list would be drill results and um, specifically high grade drill results tend to move the needle far more than anything else. And so I, so I talked about earlier this sort of pivot to high-grade focused exploration. We, we seem to be on to, to something there, especially in areas like Florida Mountain and War Eagle. Um, so that's number one, and we'll have a few of those catalysts for the year. Um, point number two was, is, is discussions regarding the metallurgy. Now, under, consider this. For the last two and a half years, I've been I've been answering questions or we've been answering questions regarding the metallurgy of this mm. project there was this cloud over the project uh for two years to the extent that you know why did kinross sell this project to you in either a mm. um they, they lost at the resource or reserve base which we've proven they um they essentially uh something that was metallurgically challenging yeah in other words all the good stuff and all the metallurgically difficult stuff has been what's left behind. Yeah, and so we've proven that that's definitely not the case. Um, and so any metallurgical data that we put out tends to move the, the needle as well from a value perspective. Mm -hmm. And then the third point is is the PA study. The PA that we put out last year was a big value driver for us. We, I think we uh, that was our big move from ninety cents to you know dollar ten, dollar twenty. Um, and uh, so we have a PA update coming out in September, which will again be a snapshot in time. This is what the project could look like on an expanded, perhaps you know, larger milling scenario. Again, with a heat uh, component to it. But um, yeah, those three drivers: expiration news, specifically mm -hmm. high grade um, met news, and PA. I think are going to be the big. Value drivers. Okay, and you, and you talk about in the presentation, you talk about some of these other opportunity and value enhancements, um, such as the Delamar uh, crush, the flotation um, concentrate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you you have identified other drivers of value down the line, but for now, your focus for twenty twenty or is is just is just that, is it? Well, it's on the PA update end, yeah. correct? So that. The PEA update is really going to be the same project that we put out last year in our maiden PA, except for the fact that there were two million ounces of of, of gold and silver, two million ounces gold equivalent, um, that was not included in that study. Uh, that was that was essentially 
uh, within sulfide zone, if you will, at Delamar. We didn't include that in the last year. This PA update that we're doing will include that two million ounces plus of sulfide uh, below the oxide and then transitional zones at, at Delamar. That's gonna require milling. So the, the trick for us in studying that is to determine how much of that sulfide can be crushed, ground, uh, concentrated, loaded, uh, reground, and leached on site. I believe a significant amount of it can will be amenable to that. And how much of that will be crushed, ground, concentrated, floated, and then shipped off to the to um, Nevada, for example, to somebody's autoclave or, or roaster for final process right and again just let me ask because when we were doing a little bit of analysis about you were looking at you know your peers and people purportedly peers you know they're not getting great valuations themselves do you think you've been fairly valued or do you think you're getting a lot of credit because of your you know recent track record oh look do i think worry we are undervalued yeah massively My job to tell you that no, I I, I do believe it. Um, you know, it, it's been it's been for the last two years. It's been listing and checking these boxes, and and we're, we're getting there. We'll continue to to get up get up the curve. But do I think there's lots more value to be derived here? Oh, absolutely. Okay, and you you have moved at quite a pace over the last couple of years, and I think you, we've had a few questions sent in to us with people going, "Hey, where, where's the where's the news flow?" Because I think you've been delivering lots of good news for quite a while um do you think there's some good news imminent for people well so we we've we've cranked up the expiration program again so we we took a a bit of a break over the christmas months obviously um did the met drilling that we needed to do at at delamar essentially to uh to support future studies and now we're back into expiration mode with that one drill rig um that one drill rig uh, will commence drilling here actually it has started drilling already on one very high-grade target called Henrietta, which is something that we had a lot of success in in 2018. I think the highest the highest silver values ever derived on the project was as a hole that we drilled, and we haven't followed up on it since then, so we're drilling that now. Um, that one exploration rig will become two in April, May, and then two rigs will become three in June, July, so, you know, it's things are going to accelerate here um, as we hit into spring and summer. Right. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, thanks for that, George. That's a really nice introduction. We've not heard this story before. We've had a good look at you guys and obviously track record, and it's um, you know well well documented. And it's nice to hear your plans now. Sounds like you've got no intention of uh, soliciting unwanted offers for you at this point as a, a geologist you want there's a lot of fun to be had in the next two years no way we just we, we want two years to squeeze more value out of this because there's much more to do beautiful at least beautiful beautiful um okay well George, thanks thanks for running through that um story with us i couldn't help notice your uh, mug there do you want to do you want to give us a close-up of that what's it say weed crypto gold and integra gold. <laughs> okay in that order uh thanks again george we will uh stay in touch let us know how you're getting on and we will you know share this with the uh, viewers and uh continue to follow you with interest thanks again awesome thanks cheers 
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.